Hey guys, it's uh, Steve Baker, TPC. I'm a more than a little riled up today. Oh gosh, where, where do I begin? In fact, I, I should probably set the stage by telling you that on this particular podcast, as I'm speaking to you right now, if you're watching by video, you're probably going to see a lot of edits. If you're listening via audio, it's not quite as noticeable because I can cut out with little perception on your behalf things that I need to edit myself as far as what I'm saying. But on video, you might see a little jumping around as a result of my antagonisms today and my passion that is overwhelming me this morning. Actually, it's no longer morning. It's now 1.09 p.m. here in the East Coast. I'm in Tampa, Florida right now. As most of you know, I've been here for a few days uh, visiting my daughter, and we're kicking off the TPC Road Trip 2021 here in Tampa next Tuesday. And the information about that is going out everywhere, and I'll talk about that maybe uh, a little bit more towards the end of this podcast. But I, I want to really get into what I want to talk about today. Uh, this this morning, I got up early because I had to prep for a interview podcast with a gentleman over in Vietnam. And this is actually an old friend of mine who uh, is also a musician. He's a trumpet player like myself, and he has two pretty successful podcast programs, one of them dealing specifically in trumpet world. And dealing. And I know most of you would not be interested in hearing us talk about that. Uh, he has another podcast that deals with music, uh, entrepreneurism, how to make a living in this business. And then um, he also, as a, uh, I think as his primary source of income, he actually consults podcasters and, and helps them establish and build their networks and grow their business and grow their podcast, that sort of thing. But uh, he uh, used to play with one of my bands just for a few months. He was in transition back uh, several years ago, and he spent maybe five or six months uh, performing with me in one of my bands. And then uh, he moved on from there. He ended up uh, uh, living temporarily in Vietnam uh, with his wife. And they are hoping to be back here in the U.S. soon, maybe as soon as this summer. But that none of that was the point of the interview. He really wanted to talk to me about how, from a music entrepreneur standpoint, how the COVID lockdowns affected my business, affected my bands, affected me personally. And, you know, there's... <laughs> there's Plenty of evidence that that's, that effect was great, uh, monumental actually in my life, and monumental to the point of having me change the direction. As as I've mentioned several times before, back in October and November of this past year, I finally came to the conclusion that I needed to diverse my diversify myself in such a way that I was never affected by government mandates again against my own business, the be my ability to perform live and to do what I do, which is specifically my job centers around and pays me based on the number of people that can gather together in close quarters and listen to live music. That's how I make my living. And for most of my last 40 years, that's how I've done so. So that was taken away from me. As we all know, I don't need to go off on that tangent. But having said that, there's no indication whatsoever that they're not going to do this again. They're already talking about surges this coming next, uh, you know, the quote-unquote flu season in the fall and the winter, that lockdowns may be absolutely required again to suppress another surge of COVID-19. I'm putting shows on the calendar for that time period right now, uh, both rescheduled and postponed events from last year and early this year are being po are being rescheduled to those timelines that they're at. You know, they're talking about locking down. 
they they just not only prevented me from making a living for 14 months, but now they're just throwing it out there that we may do it again. So anyway, so I, ha- I, had, a, I had a good conversation w- uh, with uh, James Newcomb on the other side of the world this morning. And we went longer than anticipated, mainly because, you know, I'm verbose and I ramble and I get off on tangents and that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tangent. I'm not going to be scripted today. I am going to ad lib my frustrations to you, but uh, let's go ahead and kick, let's just go ahead and kick this thing off where I feel like we need to. As, as most of you are probably aware, at least I hope you are, there is this new thing that social media has announced that they are now going to allow us to discuss and speak without penalty and without being shadow banned, not having our reach restricted or throttled or having warning labels put on our content or kicked off, put in Facebook jail or completely deplatformed if we speak about what? The possibility that the COVID-19 virus may have actually leaked from the Wuhan lab. As a matter of fact, yesterday, the Biden administration said that it's absolutely imperative that the federal government begin a full-scale investigation as to the source of this virus. That maybe, just maybe, it didn't happen in a meat market, you know, a live, uh, uh, what do they call it, a fresh market, a wet market. Uh, yeah, wet market is what they call it. That's just gross in itself, isn't it? A wet market. Might have been transferred by, you know, some other um, uh, animal, a bat species or something of the like. Instead, it may actually have come from this lab. Furthermore, now we saw that Rand Paul and other senators have been holding Dr. Fauci's feet to the fire about this whole concept of gain of function research in Wuhan. And did American taxpayer dollars go towards the funding of that gain of function research? Now, for those of you that don't know what the phrase gain of function means, very simply, it's a euphemism for the biological research that's aimed at increasing the, the virulence and the lethality of pathogens and viruses. No more complicated than that. Gain-of-function research is typically funded by government. Uh, its focus is on enhancing, enhancing the pathogen's ability to infect different species, including the human species, and to increase those viruses or those pathogens' deadly impact, either as airborne viruses or uh, pathogens or by other forms of transmission. That's what gain of function. Very simply, whatever the virus's normal natural capability is, these labs do research to genetically and otherwise manipulate those viruses so that their functionality and their lethality is greater. Now, there's some legitimate reason for those researches because what if, just what if, this research is taking place in the labs of one of our enemies who might want to unleash upon us or maybe our, our soldiers overseas a deadly pathogen that would have and be targeted directly towards those types of peoples or are genetically constructed so as to cripple a, a certain demographic or a, a type of, oh, you know, maybe somebody that's just for instance, uh, over 65, maybe morbidly obese, maybe has 2.4 comorbidities, live in a nursing home. Those types of gain of function engineering of viruses to take out a certain 
portion of a population. That's what that is all about. And Fauci, in congressional Senate testimony, has been forced to admit that he cannot guarantee that use of American taxpayer dollars filtered through his department were not used in gain-of-function research at the lab in Wuhan. He has at least admitted that. Well, you know, we also have intelligence on the ground there. You know that. And, and, and look, I don't, I, don't, I don't care how you feel about the CIA and the NSA and the FBI and, and, and all of our investigative and policing organizations. At the end of the day, as bureaucratically and politically overrun and infected as they are, and all of those agencies should be apolitical, but they're not as contaminated contaminated as they are by politics the bottom line is they're really good they're really really good at what they do the science the skill of how these intel operatives and these investigators work is brilliant that's why there's thousands of movies made about it because it's based on real life and how good they really are and they can do things that we don't even know about that's fascinating in and of itself they happen to have uncovered the possibility that this virus not only leaked from Wuhan, but also could have been part of a gain-of-function research. What we don't know is, was it released on purpose? But apparently, on social media now, that government has decided to talk about these things themselves, we are now allowed to talk about it ourselves. Think about what I just said. Now that government can talk about it without suppression of speech, without deplatforming, without warning labels, without being thrown in Facebook jail, now we can talk about it without threat of those things happening to us in our own speech and on our own pages, whether they're our personal pages or whether they're uh, political pages like the Pragmatic Constitutionalists. We can talk about it now. Have you guys not been listening to what I've been saying for months and months and months and months now? And that is, especially for those of you out there who you know want to show how much smarter you are than the rest of all of the free thinkers and liberty-oriented and libertarian voices that are out there. And every time somebody talks about Facebook and Twitter and blah blah, and you go, "Well, they're you know they're a private company. They can do whatever the hell they want." Without any restrictions. They're private companies. Well, you know what? Are you finally beginning to figure out how much bullshit you've been operating under with that assumption? Because it's not been true for a long, long time. The reality is, is that those entities, those so-called private institutions, those private big tech companies have been in cahoots. They have been in collusion. They are part of a cartel between the mainstream media, big tech, and government agencies to specifically limit what speech is being allowed to be seen and heard. As a matter of fact, I, and I don't have the exact numbers, I could probably find it if I took just a moment and jumped online here for, and maybe this will be a, a, a big a big edit coming up here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I've got it now for you. Rasmussen poll. They called this the number of the day. This just came out this morning. 45% of voters are aware of the new CDC guidelines on mask wearing. We all know that just a week or so ago, the CDC relaxed their guidelines on mask wearing and said that if you've been vaccinated, you're free to no longer cover your face 
either outdoor or indoor if you're vaccinated. But only 45% of American voters, people that actually cast ballots in elections, are even aware of this relaxation of CDC guidelines. What in the hell news medias are they listening to and watching? As it turns out, most Republican voters, according to this Rasmussen poll, 56% are aware of the new CDC guidelines, while most Democrats, 57% of Democrats, are not aware of the relaxation. And I'm seeing this with my own eyes. I'm here in Florida where, you know, the much revered Governor DeSantis has been leading the charge to prevent vaccine mandates, prevent uh, and end lockdown restrictions, and not impose statewide mask mandates, that sort of thing. And yet, I have been to, while well, I've been here with my daughter for the last week, I have been to the grocery store several times, and I am just amazed walking into, you know, the big public super grocery store that probably 80% of the people that enter that building are still masked in a state that does no longer require it. And, and in fact, is not required by the grocery store itself. Yet they're still masking up. And, and just last night, okay, I, I stopped to pick up some things because we were, we were uh, I was making fajitas for my daughter last night. And myself, of course. And so I stopped to get some of the ingredients that we needed in order to do that. And I was just appalled at seeing teenagers and young 20-somethings in the store fully masked still. And still seeing me come down the grocery aisle without my mask on and making that wide swath. You know, maybe the aisle wasn't big enough for them to get the full six feet, but maybe they got the new standard of three feet distancing from me as we passed down aisle four. Absolutely ridiculous. But the reality is, according to this poll, is, as I said, that most Republicans, 56%, are aware of the relaxation of CDC guidelines, and most Democrats, 57%, are not. Independent voters, like myself and most of you uh, that listen to TPC and read TPC, uh, you're probably independent voters, and we are evenly divided. Just as libertarians have been divided over this whole lockdown and distancing and, and mask mandate thing, we have so many ostensibly who believe in the freedom and individuality and self-determination, they believe that because of uh, maybe the NAP, the non-aggression principle, that we should wear a mask when we go into public so as to protect everybody else from us just in case we're carrying the virus. That's virtuous, except that it doesn't work. There's a brand new study out right now. It just came out. It was just published yesterday. And this comes from the headline posted yesterday, May 26, 2021, is masks did not slow COVID spread according to new study. And these findings were reported yesterday in a University of Louisville study. They challenged the prevailing belief that mask mandates are necessary to slow the spread of the Wuhan virus. The study notes that... 
80% of U.S. states mandated masks during the COVID-19 pandemic. And while mandates induced greater mask compliance, they did not predict lower growth rates when community spread was low or high. Among other things, the study conducted using data from the CDC covering multiple seasons reports that mask mandates and use are not associated with lower SARS-CoV-2 spread among U.S. states. This is the first, as they call it, an ecological study and include all of the seasons, all of the surges. I'm looking at charts right now in front of me, uh, growth surge rates, surge rates, early uh, growth after early mandates, post-mandate growth rates, masks versus growth minima, mask versus growth maxima, uh, total cases before the minima, uh, total cases after the maxima, uh, uh, masks versus growth in the summer, masks versus growth in the fall, winter, and the bottom line is... And let me read it directly from the study itself because I have it pulled up. And it says, conclusions, mask mandates and use are not associated with slower state-level COVID-19 spread during COVID-19 growth surges. That's the conclusion of this university study. You, you, know, you know that I've taken this mask thing personally now since the very beginning of this whole pandemic idea. It, it really, in fact, has become an outward sign of faith in government. Masks have become nothing more than the holy sacrament of these government mandates. It's the outward sign that you are in submission to the religious doctrine of you know, the bureaucratic expectations of subservience upon the population. It's medieval. It's the dark ages that we're living through right now as a result of this. People walking around with a uniform specifically because of bureaucracy, but has nothing to do with the science and the data. The science and the data has been known for decades that masks minimally, minimally affect and prevent the transmission of viruses particularly aerosol viruses, which they long ago determined that COVID-19 is. And, and when I say, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say that this is like the Holy Sacrament, it's like, okay, just, just for instance, I, I know that, I know that my, my Catholic friends who, you know, believe in their doctrine with regards to communion and the sacrament. They, they believe that there's a transmutation that takes place when they take the bread, that it's converted into the body of Christ, and when they drink the wine, that it's converted into the blood of Christ. Other Christian faiths go through the sacrament of communion, but they don't believe that they're actually, there's actually a transmutation taking place, but that it's an outward symbol of that process. Of It's an outward symbol of the blood and the body of Christ as is water baptism. Water baptism is just an outward display of their confession of their faith and their uh, asking for forgiveness of sins. And the water baptism doesn't actually do anything spiritually, but it's basically an outward statement of your belief, and it's a symbol of the remission of your sins. And that's exactly what the masks have been. They have been the holy sacrament of government expectations pick your religious symbol of worship just choose 
any outward sign of your religiosity, regardless of what your religion is. And that's exactly what the masks have become in this society today. That's why today, after the CDC has relaxed their guidelines toward the mask mandates, that I'm walking into every single grocery store and still seeing 70, 80 percent compliance, even here in Florida. Now, I'm in a big city. I'm in Tampa. It's worse, probably. I'm sure in the rural areas, it's much less than that. But nevertheless, that's what we're seeing. And based on that Rasmussen poll, most Democrats don't even know that there has been a relaxation of requirements. Furthermore, then you have people uh, like, you know, the MSNBC uh, anchors, and they're they're saying, you know, it's going to be really hard for me to go out and and see other people without masks on and 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 wrap my head around the fact that they may not be a threat to me. Listen, honey, they were never a threat to you. In most mask research studies over more than two decades, at a minimum, masks reduce transmission of these aerosol viruses by about 3 to 7%, and that is all. 3 to 7%. Research study after research study, peer-reviewed, posted by the CDC, posted by the WHO, talked about by Anthony Fauci at the beginning of this thing. They're not working, but they have become the symbol of your compliance to the religious fervor built by government around this disease. And now, as I've said to you before, there's going to continue being an absolute torrent of information spilling forth as these studies begin to show us what we have been complying to has not been necessary. Is the disease a scam? No, it is not. The disease is real. The disease is deadly for certain classes of people, for certain at-risk groups. We know that beyond any shadow of a doubt. But we also know that it's far less deadly than so many other things that most of us do on a daily basis, and we take no preventative measures against those activities whatsoever. I'm 61 years old. Across all age groups, as an average, and all health groups, As an average, my survivability rate for COVID-19 is, by the research and the published science, published by the CDC, at my age, my survivability is 99.5% as an average across all people in my age bracket, and that's regardless of their premorbidities, comorbidities, underlying conditions, their weight, it doesn't matter. Factor all of those in together, average it together, and I am in a 99.5% survivability group. Now, you take into the account, as I have done myself, that I don't have type 2 diabetes. I'm not morbidly obese. In fact, I lost 60 pounds before uh, COVID ever came to town. I'm healthy. I don't have any pre-existing conditions of any kind. I have no history of heart disease in my family. My lungs work great. I'm a trumpet player. I'm a singer. Never had a problem with that. I'm the right blood type. All of the things added together puts me in individually, myself, my own risk. I am in the 99.99% survivability group, even at my age, because you have to factor in all the other ancillary components and parts of the equation. And so 
I made a decision long ago, once I was aware of that math and of that data and of that science, that A, I'm not at risk. In fact, other things that I do on a daily basis, I'm far more at risk of than I am from COVID-19. I also came to the conclusion that I am not a risk to anyone else. I haven't had so much as the sniffles since this whole thing began. I eat right. I take my supplements. I exercise. I'm in good shape. I am not a risk to anyone else or to myself. I have traveled across the country during the height of the winter surge, went to 18 states, did not mask up, did not socially distance, had TPC meetings all over the country, gathered together, we hugged, we shook hands, we met close quarters at tables, we drank, we ate, we smoked cigars, we laughed, we talked, we were in each other's faces, and we're all alive to talk about it today. That does not mean that you don't know someone who's not alive today or someone that COVID kicked their ass and they almost died. Or you may know someone and maybe yourself, you're still having lingering effects from when you contracted and you went through the disease itself because we know that the disease is real. What we don't know is if it's natural. We don't know if it was manipulated to attack a certain demographic of people. What we don't know is if it was released on purpose or if it was an accidental escape of the virus from the Wuhan lab. I have a feeling our intelligence services know about it already. And the fact that the Biden administration has come out and called for full investigation, mm, that just means that they're already aware of something and they're starting to leak it out, especially because of their relationship, his relationship with China and you know President Xi, who he speaks so highly of on a regular basis. This is a way of slowly bringing out because, uh, you know, these things leak out. They're going to get out anyway. So they know. But we can talk about it now. And that was the purpose of my frustration today. We can now talk about these things openly without being deplatformed. You know why? Because government said we can now talk about these things. Are you not listening? If you are listening to me from the left side of the political aisle, the left side of the political graph. I, I don't like the big, you know, quadrant square. Graph. I like I like a left and I like a right line, straight line. And for every liberty you're willing to concede and give up, you move further left down that center line. And if you are left of that center line right now, even if you call yourself libertarian and you believe in your own heart and in your own mind that we should have been wearing masks and we should have been locking down and we should have been staying home and all of those things. And you don't believe that people like myself who measured their own risk factor and then gathered together with other people who also made their own personal risk assessment and said, we're going to live normally with other people who want to live normally because that's all I've ever called for throughout this whole thing. I never said that everybody should just you know, hit the streets, hit the concert halls, hit the amusement parks, and do whatever the hell you want to do during this thing. I never said that from day one. But what I did say from day one when the numbers became evident and when the math became evident of who this disease was affecting most and who it was not affecting either at all or just minimally is that those individuals needed the right to do what they do, measuring and assessing their own risks and gathering 
and working with and participating with and living normally with those others who have done the same thing and just let the rest of us live. Those who need to be distanced, those who need to be protected, let's, let's, how about we build based on the science and the data, a system for protecting those people rather than look worldwide. This is the number. Now your chance as an average across all age groups and all health factors verified by university studies worldwide and confirmed by government authorities. Your risk is of dying from this thing. 0.2%. Flip that over. Your survivability is 99.8% as an average across all demographics. You may not be in that demographic. You may be more at risk and you need to be aware of that and you need to be able to assess that based on that information. And that's all I have ever asked for from the beginning of this thing. For the rest of us, that 99.8% of us who are going to survive this virus, we should not have had our lives and our livelihoods stripped from us by bureaucratic fiat. By individuals, sole individuals, sole executives at the state levels and at city levels and at county levels with a single signature of their own, with no representation from their legislatures and of the people dictating that we could not live our lives normally. Even though the math and the data said that they were penalizing 99.8% of the population to save the 0.2%. Why did we not? focus our bureaucratic efforts and our educational efforts and our all of our systems around helping just the 0.2% dealing with them in a way that they were protected rather than locking down the rest of the world but as i said americans have placed their faith in individuals that they think no better than we do and allowed themselves to have their lives totally disrupted for the last 14 months but now, government has said they're investigating Wuhan. So Facebook and Twitter and YouTube now says we can talk about Wuhan and not be penalized. Do not tell me ever again that these private entities known as big tech and social media because they are private companies that they can do whatever the hell they want and that it is, it is not an infringement upon our First Amendment rights. If you do not understand that now, if you do not see that now, regardless of where you are on that political line, left, right, center, doesn't matter, then you are wantingly blind, you are wantingly ignorant, and you don't want to know the truth about what's happening right now in this country and the direction that we're headed because of this cartel of government, big tech, and mainstream media and where they're taking us. Okay, there's my rant for the day. Now, I am on the road, and I am in Florida right now. Uh, we have our first meeting this coming Tuesday, June 1st, in Tampa at the Grand Cathedral 
of cigars. Now, we're meeting outside, so those of you who don't want to be around smoke and can't handle it inside, uh, this has got, you know, it's, it's a huge, beautiful outdoor garden, uh, and it's, uh, we're going to be, you know, have our own tables, and it's going to be great. I love this place, and if you are a cigar lover, oh my gosh, you've never seen a place like this in your life. Uh, it is amazing. My, my I, I was here in Tampa for the Super Bowl, and uh, my kids were here, and we w- actually watched the Super Bowl there at the Grand Cathedral, and it's just an amazing place. It's, it, it is the Mecca uh, for uh, cigar lovers, and I am one of those. So that's our first meeting. The, there will be more announcements of other dates today. Uh, they will be coming and popping out shortly uh, here in Florida. We're, we're looking at right now Jacksonville, Orlando. I, I, it'll be out today. I'll, I'll get that out uh, as, as quickly as I can. Much more to come. And if you have not yet joined our locals community, that's where we are being funded now. It is free to subscribe. Uh, no obligation whatsoever to commit to anything, not a single penny. Uh, you can come and poke your head in there, basically subscribe, see what we're doing. If you do decide that you would like to help us out over there with what we're doing, because it's the only way, you know, we're, we're not, you know, we're not beholding to anybody else. I'm not taking money from any government agency. I'm not taking money from any other business, any other group, whatever. You are the only supporters I have, period. That's it. If you like our voice, my voice, TPC's voice, and you want that voice to continue and you want us to continue growing with what we've been working on for the last year, then that's the only place that we receive funding right now. And it is your participation in that process. Nobody else's. So for as little as $5 a month, you can help us out there. Uh, You can certainly do more per month. Uh, If you decide to do an annual subscription, there's a two, you get two months for free. You can make your choices there. You can do one-time donations. You can do monthly donations and you can do an annual subscription as well. So all of that's available uh, through that process. The minimum is $5 per month. And with that, you get uh, exclusive content that is not shared with anybody else anywhere on any of our social media presences at all. And then we also give you full participation rights in the locals community, which means you can even post your own content. We have some really good, really good writers that are writing uh, and posting their own content in our DPC locals community right now. And you're not the customer on what locals. Nobody's sharing your information. Nobody's selling your personal information. And uh, nobody is tracking you through your uh, discussions on locals. So when you, you know, whatever you talk about is not going to show up uh, the next day in your Facebook feed as, you know, as a link to Amazon for whatever the product that they thought you were talking about uh, if you talk to us on Locals. So that's just not happening there. So you're not the product on Locals. In terms of supporting us at that minimum of $5 a month, you get full participation rights and you are uh, also prevented from having to deal with all the trolls out there and the people that are negative and the people that just want to attack and have nothing really good to say. That's because just that tiny little paywall is enough to keep the trolls out. So we're really excited about how that's developing over there. Please join us. And that's thepragmaticconstitutionalist.locals.com. Once again, thepragmaticconstitutionalist.locals.com. Also, if you're not on our road trip mailing list, 
please get on that mailing list today. It is a separate database that I keep specifically to notify people who want to know where I am and when I'm going to be there. Obviously, this first uh, run in the, over the next two months is East Coast exclusive, but we're going to be going back to the Midwest uh, shortly thereafter, and then we'll be going to the West Coast after that. All of that's going to happen this year. So regardless of where you're at in the country, get on that mailing list. Just send me an email. That's how I'm asking everybody to do it because it's too hard for me to go out because we, we got we got social media accounts and you know me we gab parlor uh we're you know obviously on twitter we're on youtube and uh we've got uh you know our two facebook pages and it's just too hard for me to find and compile all that information from all those um those you know private message boards on all those different groups so i'm asking everybody send me an email if you want to be on this list send it to steve at the pragmatic constitutionalist.com steve at the pragmatic constitutionalist.com and i will add you to that mailing list most importantly if you're in a position where you can either help us in facilitating a location it may be just no more than you just helping me find a room in your area because i'm not from your area i don't know where the best place to meet is it may be no more complicated than that as soon as you can find a room that's uh, open to allowing us to have a small meeting there uh, it's different sizes for different places if you can help me with that then i'll take over from there and i'll do you know i'll, I'll deal with the venue myself whether it's a bar or a restaurant or a private event facility whatever it is i'll take care of that uh, there's no cost to you obviously so or the help that I need is just finding a place for us to meet. Or uh, even better is if you're part of a local liberty group or uh, of some sort. We've had Second Amendment groups. We've had uh, local libertarian chapters that have helped us around the country. Uh, we've got more uh, libertarian um, uh, party county chapters that are helping us on this tour. Anything like that that would be willing to host uh, maybe in one of their regular weekly or monthly events or do a special event with, you know, with the pragmatic uh, constitutionalists, then that would be great. That's it. That's everything I have to say today. Thank you much for all of your attention. Thanks for sticking with me through this rant here. Thank you for your ongoing support. Uh, this is how we're able to do what we're able to do. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Mm-hmm.